Welcome to today's episode of the Plain Truth Podcast. I'm your host, Wes. Welcome to this week's episode of the Plain Truth Podcast. I'm excited to have a new um, acquaintance on our show today. Our guest today is Aaron Mingle. He's the Vice President of Flight Operations for Dynamic Aviation. And the way this interview came about is from a prior guest, uh, Rod, Rod Moyer, who also works for Dynamic Aviation. So a little bit of a small world, but you know, contacts leading to contacts. And so, uh, Aaron, it's a pleasure having you um, having you with us today. I'm excited to hear your story. Thanks, Wesley. As we get into this, kind of tell us your aviation story. How did you get started? Sure, my aviation story started uh, a little bit later than than many others, but I was in tenth grade in high school. I don't even want to tell you what year that was. Yeah. Um, early two thousands, I suppose. And we had the chance to go to what at the time was the Jars Wycliffe Family Weekend in um, near Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and um, happened to attend there. Obviously, this is a neat thing. And to this day, I don't know why, but I was prompted to kind of talk to somebody and say, hey, what is what if aviation is something I want to do um, as I, you know, as a career? Not really ever something I'd thought of before that day. And um, we got connected with a gentleman there and he I, I only talked to him that day, really only ever emailed with him once after that. But he was one of those people that set me down this path and hmm. he explained the the different ways you can get in aviation, um, the fact that you can just you know, go to a flight school and do it on your own, the fact that you could go to college for something else and do flight school on the side, or the fact that you could go to a you know part 141 university and do that. And that really piqued my interest. And you know, the next question was, okay, if if that's what I want to do as a career and I want to do this as a degree program, where where would I go? And he gave me uh, a list of maybe eight to 10 schools. And on that list was Letourneau. And uh, we looked into most of the schools, but Letourneau was the one that really caught my interest. And, um, you know, as I say, the rest is history. We visited and just each interaction we had, I was like, yeah, this is really something I want to do. And that's really the place I want to do it. Um, and for me, I started in 2005 in college and then graduated uh, four and a half years later uh, with my flight ratings, instructor, AMP, and um, just it was a phenomenal place to learn to fly and to just start those formative years of who I was as a pilot and um, hmm. as an individual. Neat. Neat. Um, we've had, man, there's been several guests on here um, that are Letourneau grads. Uh, I've never yeah. personally been to Letourneau, but uh, as you mentioned before, we even got got started. Um, you know, we have a mutual friend who who went there, and I've heard great things about that school. Um, yeah, I have another friend who is a former instructor there. He's uh, now moved on to commercial, I'm um, sorry, corporate job. But um, yeah, they have a lot of people. That's a big school. So, yeah. uh, what do you presently do, or what 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 did you do after your time at Laterna? What did your career look like? What were your aspirations? What were you what were you thinking about doing? <laughs> Those are about five different questions. So yeah, I know <laughs> it's loaded. I'm sorry. No, no, you're fine. Um, at the time, I the the one the, the, where when I graduated, I came right uh, directly to Dynamic Aviation, and we have a. The way our operation is structured is we we can start people in the right seat of a King Air 
uh, basically with a commercial multi-engine certificate. So it, it's a really good opportunity to build hours. Um, I got hooked on dynamic from, I, as I recall, my freshman year of college. Um, somebody from HR who I'm, I now work very closely with came down and was talking about the internship program, talked about what we did as a company. And I just remember thinking, that's a place I want to go. Um, it was, it was unique. It's varied. Um, there's, I, I, it was one of those people that I knew it wasn't airlines and knew it probably wasn't corporate, but I had absolutely no idea what it was going to be otherwise. And dynamic really, um, opened my eyes to some alternative options. So in 2010, I started here and I was just flew a, in the right seat of a King air, uh, quite literally that first year, uh, internationally, I would say around the world and, um, basically flew a ton of different kinds of missions and geographies and eventually obviously upgrading to the left seat and did that until 2015. And then in 2015, mm. I started to uh, manage here, become an ops manager. And that's, as they say, flying a desk, but I genuinely enjoy what I'm doing now and um, still have the chance to fly maybe a hundred hours a year, maybe 200 on a busy year, but it's just, it's a really good, uh, fit for who I believe God has made me to be. Well, that's fantastic. Um, Dynamic is such a large organization. Um, in a nutshell, kind of what do you guys do? I mean, what what can you express that you guys do? Yeah, we are a what we would call a special mission operator. So our fleet is all specially modified in some way, predominantly turboprops, Kinger 90s, 200s, uh, Dash 8s. Uh, we recently are making the jump into some larger jet aircraft, which has um, been in the last year or two. Uh, and all of our aircraft either have holes cut in them, we have places to hang things, and we have technology <laughs> partners that want to collect data or sample something in the atmosphere. Or again, it, you just do a whole wide range of unusual things in airplanes, and we will figure out how to meet that need. And that's what we do. Uh, we've been doing it. Well, this company has been in existence over 50 years and there's a legacy of modified aircraft that goes back even longer than that. Um, and it's, it, you know, there's never a, never a dull flight, we'll say. Right. Right. I know uh, a, a dear friend of mine, who was uh, one of my, you know, favorite flight instructors when I was at Moody, Dan Gleason, um, oh, yeah. and oh, worked yeah. for you guys for many years. And Dan yep. has been on this podcast and Dan just has an amazing story, but, yes. um, you know, he, he concluded his aviation career at dynamic and, uh, still speaks very, very fondly of that. And yes. as we were talking before, we have many mutual friends there. Um, right. And it's really a, the founders of, of Dynamic and KK really have had a legacy of service for the kingdom as well. Yes. And so kind of yep. how has how have how has your faith, how has your belief in, in Jesus Christ um, been expressed, if, if you weigh through your work at, at Dynamic? Or through yeah, aviation. It's it's... Yeah, it's a good question. And I, I'll answer it. I, I think I'll come back around to your answer, but if not, we, we can go back to it. But <laughs> when I went to Laterna, one of the things that really hooked me on it was their desire to make strong Christian professionals who were able to serve God wherever they were, whatever they were doing. Um, hmm. You know, there was an every workplace, every mission mindset. 
And that just resonated with me. The fact that I could go into the professional world as a pilot and serve God, that, that was just, that was addicting to me. I, I don't know what the better word to use it, to use. Um, now, at the time, I'm not sure I could have told you exactly what that looked like. Um, but as I look back, a lot of what it is, is it's the ability to say, you know what, I have access to go meet people, again, literally around the world. I have the mm. ac access to go um, go to places and do things and talk to people and show them a different way to, of life, to show them that, you know what, this is, I can be a Christian and I can be a pilot and I can um, share who I am through that. And, you know, as, as I look back 13 years, it's like, my goodness, like I can think of all the people that I've gotten to talk to and gotten to know. Um, and there's been some wonderful conversations. It's not, it's, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that um, every single person that I've met, that it's been life-changing, but to think of just the little seeds that have gotten planted um, is really what encourages me and has kind of kept me going. And, and then I think back over the last seven years to be able to do, be part of the management team here and even, even to a greater extent to be able to just share with people in their lives uh, what's going on and walk with them and you start to get uh, you start to gain visibility on the struggles people are dealing with and you start to learn about their families and um, I don't care who you are we all have struggles that we have to mm -hmm. deal with and now I have the ability to walk with people through that um, while balancing the business requirements and just figuring out how to treat people like people while meeting a business interest is just that is a I, I believe it's one of the greatest callings we can have. And I think that's, that's what I really love doing. Right. And there, there, there at times is such a, a conflict between cultural societal expectations of what should, like how a business should be run and how, how people should be treated. But then there's, you know, how Jesus says we should be treated, <laughs> you know, how Jesus right. says we should treat one another. And oftentimes those don't walk hand in hand, do they? That's right. So when I get, you know, we kind of get trained that way at Laterno, and then I come here at a company which frankly fosters that and allows me to do that. It's, it's, um, it's a privilege and it's a gift that I know not everyone has and I'm grateful for it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I know when that was a, an issue that I, had to kind of work through when I left or transitioned out of missionary aviation from being in that for 17 years and then going into the airlines, you know, in a sense, there was this feeling like, oh, I'm leaving the service of the Lord. I'm, I'm leaving mm -hmm. ministry. And, and there was, there was this, uh, this tension created by that. But then it right. dawned on me, you know, through a lot of prayer that, oh no, Oh no, <laughs> the ministry has only just begun because right. it dawned on me that that throughout my career in missionary aviation, I was surrounded by fellow believers 99.9% .9 of the time. You know, That's right. the vast majority of our passengers were all believers. Our customers were all believers. But now, now I'm truly in the world surrounded by people who live lives so uh, contrary to what I'm used to. That's and, right. and, and man, it has really been eye opening. And now as a result of that, needing to really learn to say, all right, all right, Jesus, I've never been in this type of situation before. How do I respond? 
Right. Or how do I show love as you would have to people that, that while wow, I've never experienced, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and, and, and that's been, that's been difficult. That's been challenging, right. but yet, um, it's been a good lesson. Yeah. No, it's a good observation. I had, um, someone years ago remarked to me that, you know, the Bible is in a way the best business textbook you can have. And the beauty of being able to do it in a, I'll call a, a secular commercial industry like we are in and not being ostensibly a mission aviation means that I don't have to be overt about it, but I can still communicate a significant part of that to people. And then you get those people that have a little more interest and they say, hey, where can you tell me more about that? Or um, and that's where the doors just keep opening. And um, again, I, I don't. I have to believe that's what God intends for us to do as Christians in wherever we are. Right. Right. What has been, a, a, have, have there been any big challenges for you in, in, in kind of balancing that, especially now that you're, you know, in upper management as a vice president, has that been challenging to, to balance kind of HR you know, corporate mm. America with yet being a, uh, you know, a follower of Christ. And, and, and I, it kind of makes me think even about, you know, like, and we read in Philippians and, and um, like the book of Philemon, and we talk about, you know, basically in the terms of how slave owners and, and reference there, you know, how, how, how masters should support their slaves. And, and we can in, kind of interpret that as, as bosses or, or employers, mm -hmm. Uh, treating employees. Um, ha has there been challenges and kind of, you know, conflicts in, in a sense along that line? I'm grateful to say that my gut says no. My gut reaction to that question is no, because again, I, I'm grateful for the, I'll say the favorable, favorable atmosphere we have here that allows me to feel comfortable. But mm -hmm. I will say as well, it requires a significant amount of wisdom to know what to share how to share it, when to share it, mm. um, because it is a business. And at the end of the day, there are people here that come from all different walks of life and backgrounds and beliefs. And it's my mm. responsibility to figure out how to work with them in harmony. Right. So no, I wouldn't say there's been conflict from the company side, but where it can get challenging for me, I think that's probably the word I'd use, is to just make sure I'm being aware and looking for my openings at the appropriate time. Um, well, I was just telling someone yesterday in a different context, one of the things I believe fairly strongly, when it could be controversial though, is that who we are at work, I think is very similar to who we are outside of work. Um, you'll sometimes hear there's this dichotomy between my home life, my home self and my work self. And as I've done this longer and as I've gotten a little bit older, I don't think that's as true as I'd like to believe sometimes. So as I'm able to pay attention to what people are telling me and what they're, how they're acting, and I'm able to draw some connections between, hey, here's something I'm noticing in the office or in the cockpit, as it were. Mm -hmm. and maybe there's some correlation to that elsewhere in your life. And I can tell you from my own experience, that's exactly how it goes. I mean, there's not something I'm wrestling with at work and all of a sudden I go home and that's not an issue anymore. It's like, no, who I am is who I am and right better and for, better and worse right it's it's a different hat yes but totally. the hat is still in the same head yes how i apply it's different you know i'm not right i don't necessarily 
you know, talk to my wife using the same lingo that I'm going to use here in the office, but it, it doesn't right. mean I all of a sudden turn into a different person. And I've enjoyed being able to make that connection first for me in my own life, but then to be able to do that with others that I work with. And I think that's a, that's a powerful tool for me. Right. Well, that's a great point. Um, kind of shifting gears a little bit, kind of back to, back to aviation and, and, um, and what you all do, what's, what's your favorite airplane that you've flown? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> um, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm not a, a very diverse, prolific aviator. Um, I cut my teeth here on the King Air 90. That was fun. Going back to it now is still just, I tell people it's like going home, right? You just, you have the muscle memory of it. Um, but I certainly can't complain about pressurized King Airs. They're just nicer, faster, higher. They're great. Mm -hmm. I've also had the privilege, oh, almost two years now of being part of standing up our 737 program here. You oh, can't complain wow. about going to do that. I mean, that's just a, that's just great fun. Um, but there's also times where just jumping in something small is just, it's just easier and you don't have to, it just isn't quite as complex. Um, and we don't tend to jump into something like a jet or even a dash eight. And it's, it, it takes a little bit of effort, but when you can get into something small, um, I get to fly a cub every now and again. And it's just, you know, it's, <laughs> it's just nice. And so I, I don't know. I, I don't think in clear conscience I can answer that question. <laughs> okay. I do have to ask, though, have you flown Miss Virginia? I have. Yeah. Um, that is that. I mean, you want to talk about experiences. Um, it's very hard to believe. But, yeah, I was able to be a part of the crew that took it over to Europe in 2019 um, for the D-Day celebrations over there. Um, okay. So that was... <laughs> high on the list of things I've gotten to do with this company. Okay. For our listeners, I guess I should, I should clarify that Miss Virginia is a, is an original, it's a beautiful airplane, piston DC three. Yeah. C 47. Yes. Now you <laughs> so, have experience in DC threes, but not real DC threes, I guess. Well, no, we, we had, we had uh piston power DC threes when I started. Okay. So I've, I've had Oh, I've got plenty of stories <laughs> in a piston DC three. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's the good. engine failures and cylinder changes and all that to be. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was a great time. I got to be a part of the crew because I've, I had, a, I'd had experience ferrying King Airs to and from uh, Europe and across the Atlantic. So I was able to be a part of that and just, I mean, phenomenal experience and not something you that's a once in a lifetime literally oh yes yeah that would have been an amazing trip yeah. for sure actually and now rod went on that right yes rod and i actually were the ones who took it over i got to spend some great oh, okay. time with him and um there aren't there aren't too many other people you'd want to spend that long in a cockpit with and he's a wonderful man to do that with yes he is yes he is so kind of still on the aviation story uh is is there a lesson or has aviation taught you anything about God? <laughs> what hasn't it taught me, right? I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a phenomenal way that there's, there's a lot, and I'm not going to tell you that, that these aren't in any particular order. Um, sure. One of the things that I'm always amazed by is just how big our world is and simultaneously how small it is. Um, mm. You know, I've taken planes and, you know, you start in the morning and it's a hundred something degrees in the middle of the desert. And by that night you're in a winter coat and 
with a totally different country, totally different group of people. And they don't know where you've come from. They don't know what you're doing. They don't know anything about that, but you have that experience. And I'm going, these are all people in this world that God has made. And I'll tell you that just never ceases to amaze me. Um, and yeah, you can experience that in an airliner, but it's so much more powerful to me when I'm doing it in an airplane that I have flown, you know, that I've been a part of the crew of. Um, right. And so there's, there's the people side of that that just amazes me. Um, and again, each one of them has their own stories and their struggles and their battles and their beliefs. And um, you, you know, it's just, it's just, God is an incredibly complex, creative God to do that. Um, hmm. Then you look at the creation itself and the, and the geography. Um, we often remark here, one of the fun things we do is we hop in a King Air 90 and we just head from East Coast to West Coast. And you can do that in, you know, a day, a day and a half. Well, you go from the East Coast and everything that the, the hills here and you go through the Midwest, you see the Rockies, you see the and you're like, this is all the same country. And this is mm -hmm. such a small sliver of this world that God's made. Right. And that. That's an, again, one of those things that I've just, it's never, I've never lost the wonder of. Um, right. So those are probably the two biggest things for me. Um, I, I'm also, I, I think I genuinely, I'm a perfectionist at heart, which is good. You know, you want your pilots to be perfectionists, but mm -hmm. it also is a very interesting balance when you start to realize that God has called us to that. And God also fully expects that I'm not perfect. And how do you wrestle with that as a pilot? Um, mistakes are not easy for m me and people that have my personality, I would say. Right. Stomach. Mm -hmm. But what do you do with that when you've had a flight that you're like, that just was not a good flight. And wrestling with that has given me a much better sense of humility to recognize that, you know what? I do make mistakes. It's mm -hmm. not silly to say that, but it's important to verbalize that for me. Um, yeah. And to know that, you know what? Yes, tomorrow I can get right back in that airplane and go fly. And it can be a very safe flight. And there's some part of that to me that just is a constant reminder of God's grace that, um, no, I wasn't perfect today. I can give you a hundred reasons why not. But I can also tell you that his mercies are new tomorrow and we're going to do it again tomorrow. And we're just going to and that's going to be the rest of my life. And yeah. It's it's taught me to I've had to apologize more. I've had to be humble more. I've had to say, oh, I was wrong. And again, that's that's a tough pill for, for me to swallow sometimes. Right. Well, and I think, like you said, most pilots are that way. Right. And most pilots are type A. So we're very <laughs> right. task oriented and we will, uh, <laughs> you know, blow through people right. to con to complete the task. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and leave a leave a wake of carnage of person of you know offended and that's right. people in our wake. That's exactly right. And that's a lesson I've had to learn. It's like okay, okay, I got to slow down, and I right. I need to interact, I need to, you know, uplift, and I need to right <laughs> to actually dialogue with people, right, and not just hurry, hurry, hurry. Let's get everybody on here, close the door, and get out of here. That's right. <laughs> you know. That's right. <laughs> Yep. Yep. Good. And um, yeah, that takes patience, and and that's something that that the Lord definitely is a lesson. He likes to teach all of us. Right. And it gets patience. Right. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So, who has impacted you most in your career? 
has there been has been, there been someone you know a mentor or I know when Rod and I were um, talking we talked a lot about mentorship yes and 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 it made me think of you know since you were with the same organization if if there's been a, a mentor or someone in your career that has really poured a lot into you. <laughs> It, you know, and I, and I was, I was thinking about that before we started here. I don't, there's not one face or one name that comes to mind with that question. Um, there's, I think back to a variety of different things. I was just telling someone yesterday, I remember um, one of the pilots that I flew with early on, and he's really the one who started helping me understand how a turbine engine worked and the fact that you can't just firewall your power levers, you know, and just mm. little things like that. And he was a, he was a good guy. And um, those are things that again, 13 years ago I was learning and that's, those still stick with me. So I obviously have those aviation mentors that just right. um, there's, there's that primacy that, you know what, I'm always going to remember that. Um, there's also a significant number of, of guys that I've worked with that, have taught me about the decision-making side of it. Um, we, one of the ones, probably not my proudest moment, but I, I remember there, and this is now a lesson that I've repeated multiple times to others, um, but it's, there was a decision we made to reposition an aircraft. Um, and the bottom line is we should have checked and kind of called home and said, hey, this is what we're thinking. This is what we're looking at. What do you think? And we kind of went out on our own and just made a decision. And in the back of our minds, we said, well, I think that's the decision they would have made anyway. You know, we get back home and sit down uh, with our director of ops at the time. And he says, I'm not telling you guys made the wrong decision, but here's what I'm going to tell you. It's not your plane and you can't fly it like it's your plane because you don't own them. And hmm. that is just a lesson that keeps coming up for me is everything I have I'm a steward of, um, yes. and it's up to me to manage that. Now, the, you, you can certainly take that too far and run with it and say, oh, it's not mine. It's not my responsibility. That's not what I'm talking about. But the sense of, no, I'm going to care for this like it's someone else's. And that is probably one of those seminal lessons that just keeps coming back. And like I said, that's when you start feeling old is when you're starting to use that lesson with other people and you're going, oh, my goodness, what, what's happening <laughs> Um, things keep repeating themselves they do, and you keep making the same mistakes but um, yeah so yeah so there's a lot of different individuals like that that have just helped formulate i have i've also had the privilege of several mentors as i've gotten into management that really have helped me hone my management chops and continue to um hmm. you know there's 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 number of those um and i think i'd be remiss to mention names and leave any of them out but sure um, again, you think you mentioned Rod, I, I'll, I'll pick on him because his name's been mentioned, but I mean, he's <laughs> the one who really taught me how to fly a DC three and we spend 50 hours over the North Atlantic with a guy and you're going to learn Ooh. a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's, you try to absorb from everybody that you fly with and, and, and interact with and work with. Right. Yeah. I, I definitely see that, uh, you know, even in, in, even in the airlines, um, consistently flying with different people and and the diversity of like our pilot group but the neat thing is because of our you know training and standardization how you can have such diversity of personalities of people entering the flight deck but then when it comes time to actually uh, 
begin the flight, the training kicks in, the standardization right. and everything just flows um, seamlessly. Right. And because everybody, you know, is, as you mentioned, you know, the stewardship, everybody is, is following standard operating procedures. And so we, we click off the checklist and everybody is, is doing this orchestrated dance, That's right. you know, in the cockpit. Right. But yet, despite all of that, that standardization, um, it's just always amazing how, how personalities can still still rise up and, and you can learn um, different ways to do different things. There's kind of that that tribal knowledge That's right. that, that begins to flow. And a guy was like, well, yeah, we do it this way, <laughs> but here's why. Right. And here's, you know, and you begin to learn more of the backstories right. or a guy who's been here 20 years That's flying right. this airplane. And That's he goes, right. yeah, well, this is why Airbus wants it done this way right and and yeah there's just so much to learn it could just be overwhelming at times when you think and uh when you think all right you know i'm kind of getting a handle on on this mm -hmm. you know i've been flying this airplane for three and a half years it's like all right i'm getting i'm getting the hang of it and then something new comes right. up and you're like oh no i know nothing that's right <laughs> i know absolutely nothing <laughs> well you reference what you reference is the whole technique versus procedure argument which you know every pilot is probably talked about, thought about, or lives. And, mm -hmm. you know, where do you draw that line is where it gets very interesting. Um, and I think for most of us, the procedures, it's like, all right, this makes sense. I can live in this box or I'm gonna train to this box. To your point, I'm gonna get in the cockpit with somebody who's trained to the same box, we're good. But as soon as you start to get into those techniques, that's where the fun conversations start. Um, and, I, I think there's some beauty in that. I think that's what makes us better pilots. I think it's what makes us better mm -hmm. people. Um, you know, certainly you can apply this, I think, to our, uh, uh, the church community and our, our, our Christian community, because there's obviously, I, I, we, you know, you can talk about how the Christian faith is not just a bunch of do's and don'ts, right? It's not just a right. list of procedures that I'm supposed to follow. Um, and, but, many of us myself included were raised in an environment where that was really what was felt whether it was explicitly taught or not that's what you felt like it was and right. how do you break free of that and learn to fellowship with others who are you know newsflash think differently than i do and act differently than i do and it's it's okay um, right and i i have a feeling both that in the airplane and that in real life real life is going to be a a, a long long time coming until I figure that out, probably until the day I die. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So, so when a little bit back to the, the King airs and mm -hmm. your all's business. So, um, when you look at, I assume a lot of your new hires, if you will, are pretty low experienced, low time, low time pilots generally. And, mm -hmm. Yeah, and so kind of what what trends are you seeing in in your new hires and and new students that are right out of flight school, maybe just the flight instructed for a few years, and now they're stepping up into their most likely their first turbine engine airplane, or maybe even their first multi engine airplane. Sure. So kind of yeah, what do you what are you seeing the, these days? That's a really good question. Um, so. How would I categorize this? There's probably a couple different angles that I would look at with that. First of all, I, I would say one of the, the beauties of who we are is we've been able to hire fairly carefully for our culture. And that's been very important. 
um, the way that we structure it is once we train you, it is not uncommon at all that we're going to send you out on the road with the King Air and our customer, and we're going to expect you to represent us well and to fly safely and to execute the mission. So it's very critical to us that, you know, we're, we've got people that are able to do that. And we have, I mean, I was, you know, my early 20s doing that. And you look back and you go, oh, my goodness, there's no way I was old enough to do that. But that's what we yeah. do, and that's what we still do. So what I'm encouraged, there's an encouraging trend, which is that those people are still out there. We're still able to hire those individuals who can show up here and they're high quality, high caliber people that genuinely believe in what we do, genuinely believe in flying an airplane safely and serving a customer. And, you know, for all the swirl you would see in the news or whatever else you might read, it's like, no, those people are there and we don't need a thousand of them, but I need the right mm. ones. And we're, we're still able to find them now. Granted, it's 2022. It's a lot harder than in years past, but I'm encouraged right. that they're still out there. So that's that's, yeah. that's one trend I would offer. Um, we, go ahead. Yeah. No, I was going to say in on, in the airline side, we're seeing our new hires, and of course, it seems like the the flight time is getting lower and lower. Right. Yes. <laughs> you know, just because there's such demand. But. Uh, <laughs> But what we're seeing is is uh, candidates that are very technologically literate. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, in ground school and in initial hiring, grasping the automation, the you know, the whole interaction with screens that's right. that just comes absolutely right. natural absolutely. i mean that's like no issue right. at all right so teaching them the the systems and the flows and all that is not a problem but um the decision making that's exactly the right. that is where the big issues are and it's just because they have such limited experience that's right they haven't they haven't learned those lessons and and most like you know most of the time they haven't flown with people who were you know they were taught by flight instructors who maybe just had 100 or 200 hours more than they did <laughs> right <laughs> right yeah so right. so they're not they don't and and i look back even like in my training how blessed it was i was to have flight have career flight instructors mm -hmm. um, you know at the time mm -hmm. at moody you know every one of them had spent years mm -hmm. and years flying whether it's in africa or indonesia or wherever it was you know so they brought an experience into the training environment of not just you know pitch and power and controlling airspeed and things like that but to say here's why this is so important That's right and this is where it could really bite you. Right, right. <laughs> and, and you know, I remember even when, when I started flying the DC-3, you know, one of my, um, one of our senior captains there would say, you know, this airplane has an incredible ability to humble you. Just when yeah. you think you've got it tamed, it will bite That's you. That's right. And it will hurt. That's right. <laughs> and it was right. Right. <laughs> you know? Well, and then you go back to one of those, you know, an earlier question about what, What's another thing we've learned about God or you're even myself, and it's that it's that you're never safe. There isn't a threshold you're going to cross where I don't have to worry about this anymore. It's like, right. no, there may be things that come a little bit easier to me or there may be things that I don't have to look up every time. 
but it doesn't mean that I'm safe and don't have to worry about it or think about it because you just don't know. Um, and mm. I think again, in aviation, there's some people who say, yeah, I don't want a job that's like that. But from me, and I think a lot of us are like, no, that's kind of why we do this. We like that challenge, but I don't know how well we apply that to our non-aviation life sometimes. Um, and, and that's something, mm. another thing that I've really, I've had to think about over the last few years. It's where do you, where do I let my guard down? Um, um, both in the cockpit, uh, where are those flights you land and you go, um, Rod and I've talked about this. I don't know what it is, but I missed something on that flight. And maybe you figure out what it was and you say, all right, I got to make sure on that next flight that this is, this is important. Um, and we're good. I think we have a structure to do that within aviation, but I think we struggle to do that sometimes in our personal life. Hmm. Is it a, you think it's, it, it's kind of a broad form of complacency? I, th I think that's probably a fair way to put it. Yeah. I mean, so you, when you got 400, 500 hours, you go, my goodness, those guys have more hours. What stories they have. I, I hope I have stories like that someday. And then you look back 10, 15, 20 years later and you go, man, I wish I didn't have some of those stories. You know, I know that's <laughs> like, right. <laughs> and you didn't intentionally choose those stories. It's just life happens. Aviation happens. Right. And maybe some of it was external. I didn't choose it. It just weather happened or airplane broke or whatever. But there may be times right. it's like, no, I genuinely made a really bad decision there. And um, so complacency, absolutely. It's a big part of it. Is it ignorance? Yeah. At times it could be ignorance. Um, so I, I don't even know if I can tell you all the reasons why, but my interest, obviously, in, in an airplane is, all right, what did we learn from this? What are we going to do differently next time? Um, hmm. What are those? I work at a company where we have a good, and I, I would assume your airline's the same way. You you have a good structure in place that's going to keep you, you know, in the in the bounds. And it's yes. my job to say, like, no, there's limits here for a reason, and it's my job to honor those. And where I have something threatening to pull me away, whether it's internal or external, my job to come back to the center again and not live right. on the fringes and not try to test boundaries. And um, I, I think there's some there's just prudence and wisdom that obviously takes time that at age 20, you don't have as much of as you have at age 60. I mean, that's just the reality of life. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Have you heard I was just recalling, I think it was when I was at at. Um, or the regional airline, and I think I've heard it other places. You've you've heard about like code whites and code code yellow and code red when it comes to pilot state of mind. Yes. Have, have you ever heard of yes. those? Yeah. And you know, code white is just like you're flying in a whiteout for those who, who, who for those of you are listening to where you're really not aware at all of what's of what's going on right. around you you have no situational awareness right. at all and of course code red is you are on the edge of your seat high alert and and so focused on a problem that that focus can then become problematic right. because it's created a tunnel vision that's right and now you're not capable of seeing the broader picture that's right. and, and and both of those are problematic that's right and and you were talking about risk and realizing that every day, whether we're flying or not, every day we take risk. Mm -hmm. And there is, and you're right, there is no, there is no safe. Mm -hmm. There is no safety. 
Um, but what we do have is the providence of God. Right. right. And the safety is knowing that regardless of what happens here, regardless of what happens today, whether I'm flying or driving to the grocery store, the safety comes in knowing where my soul is going to That's go. Right. And the safety is knowing that I'm eternally secure because I know Jesus Christ is my personal Lord and Savior. That's right. And he is, he is prepared a place for me. Right. And whether I crash an airplane and die or someone hits me on the way to the grocery store today, you know, it's okay. Right. Because I'm going to be with him. Yeah, one of the, the term I've, I've often used, and, and again, it's beautiful when you're going um, you know, th through training, especially in, in those sim sessions, and you watch somebody who's able to, again, the term I would use is zoom out on a problem. And this yeah. happens. And like you said, some people get very myopic. Some people get very, um, it, like, I, are they there? But really, when you watch a, a good crew and a good pilot, they're zooming out and they're saying, all right, I've got way too many inputs going on right now what really matters mm -hmm. um and it's it's figuring out how do i prioritize all that and rack and stack it and um it, it i think you're right i think there's a really good um analogy there with our eternal life it's when i'm zooming out on these tough problems of life it's like what really matters what's well, where i'm going to be where i'm going and right. the fact of who controls that future and i think that's a really a really healthy uh, way to you know it yeah, and then I was just thinking, you know, what, what's the number one lesson we're taught in planes like in situations like <laughs> that in our early flight training? It's aviate, right. navigate, communicate, right. right? Fly right. the airplane, right. just fly the airplane first. It could be on fire, That's but right. just at least fly That's it first, right. <laughs> you yep. know? Yep. And I'm like, well, you know, what, um, what practical application does it have in our spiritual walk, too? It's like mm. when things, when things just go awry, mm -hmm. you know, we still need to aviate. That's right. And aviate is flying towards God. Right. <laughs> and yeah. navigating is using his word. His word is there as our chart is to get us through. And then communicate is take your prayers, take your anxieties, mm -hmm. take your, your worries, take them to him mm -hmm. because he is the source of your answer. And, you know, it, it totally correlates. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I've never really thought about that before. Well, we've we've all been preached aviate, navigate, communicate since day one. <laughs> we have, yeah. Yep. You know, and, and and they use it in the airlines. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, even in the sim, yeah. it's because it's amazing what they can do to you in the sim. It's yes, just it is. <laughs> it's just evil. That's right. That's <laughs> their job. There's a, a sense of evilness that, 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 that it's like we have we have a, a thing because since our airline's based out of Denver, mm -hmm. you know when you're in the sim when they place you on run on runway two five, you know nothing good is going to come <laughs> out of this. <laughs> you're not in the sim for good things to happen. <laughs> nothing good no. is going to happen when you depart on when they That's put right. you on runway two five. Right. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's also important. And I, I was flying with a senior captain not too long ago, and and he was saying, you know what, I've gotten to where I look forward to going to the sim. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow. Mm. I'm like, okay, I want to hear this. And he goes, no. He's like, because where else can I be? Can What other situation can I be put in that will prepare me for what may or may not That's come? That's right. Yeah. And exactly. I was like, what a great way to look at yeah. it. What a 
great attitude to have about the sim. And that, that has really helped me because, you know, we all get nervous about going to the sim, but I'm like, if you just change your thought process to realize that, you know what, the sim is good for me. Right. It's, it's there to help me, not hurt me. But then again, I don't, I don't know why all the reasons, but that's not what we're raised to think. And maybe the type a, I, I don't know, but, and you're exactly right. As we get, the more you go back to these events, it's, it's an opportunity to learn and good instructors are going to put you in a situation that is beyond your ability at some level um, to watch you grow. Um, you know, how many of us have been in a canned sim session where it was like, I don't really think that was worth my time, you know, because it just, it was too canned. Um, right. And then you're like, well, I checked the box. So um, it's like, well, you know what, it should be more than just checking the box. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Um, yeah, that's just, that's just really has me thinking there's like a whole other simulator yes we could (laughs) (laughs) yes we could (laughs) yes that's exactly right yeah so kind of along those lines what what tools or methods do you use to kind of keep you sharp not only as a pilot but as a as a vp and as a manager Mm -hmm. and in your role what kind of what things do you do yeah again that answer would be very different 15 years ago, 10 years ago, five years ago today. So um, one of the, the, obviously the, there's, there's upside to what I'm doing that I enjoy. One of the hard parts is not being in the cockpit as often and not having the proficiency. You know, you always joke that currency and proficiency are two vastly different things. Um, I, and, and I'm, I'm grateful. I, I will name drop Rod again, because as, I mean, <laughs> again, I mean, as our, director of safety here and he he's very good at this but we often will reference the vince lombardi um quote you know gentlemen this is a football at the beginning of every football season and it's this idea that when i get into an airplane all right what are the critical things in this airplane i mean over the last 15 years i've flown i don't know i mean even within our king air fleet there's varieties of switch layouts and speeds and then you've got dash aids, we have turboprops, we've got some of the other things we get to fly. And um, every time you get on an airplane, it's like, all right, what are the things that are really most important here? Um, because I can't rely on my brain to memorize things the way I used to. Um, that that right. got me through so much of flight school. I was able to memorize, it, was, it came quickly, that was great. And now you're going, and it's only gonna get worse as I get older. Um, mm-hmm. So when you sit down, it's all right, I'm going to fly this now. Let me really get my head there and think about it. And I'm grateful that um, I've been able to do that. Um, I've got, again, I've got people that are able to kind of say, here's how I would view it. Here's some of the things that I see are most critical um, because I, I, you know, I think, yes, our hearts are deceitful, but my mind has deceived me too. Uh, you know, we often talk as pilots about how we lie to ourselves about having done things. You know, like, no, I know I flipped that switch. Well, did you really mm-hmm. flip that switch? Right. Um, right. So it's really just about slowing down. You mentioned patience before. That is a uh, high on my list of needs that, <laughs> and low on my list of haves. Um, but I've had to learn over the years. It's like slow down. You're not gonna you're not gonna win any races here and, and get get where you need to go. Um, so that's in the piloting world. That's probably the best thing I've had to do. Um, and you know, hey, I'm gonna go fly this next week. Let me just get my head back into the book. I, I'm a guy who does like 
does enjoy, does like writing a gouge. Uh, we know some people will do that. So here's my one or two pages on, here are the things that just don't come readily to mind for me. Um, but it's, here's the things I want to make sure I remember when I get into that cockpit. Um, and I've had to write and prep. So that's been an adjustment. Um, I kind of had a wake up moment on that about, oh, I don't know, two to three years ago, and I started to realize that the Kinger just didn't come to me the way that it used to. And that was that was eye-opening because it always had, mm. and now it wasn't. Um, so that's probably on the aviation side. Um, from a management side, so your question is, what do I do to stay sharp? It's a very interesting yeah. way to ask that. There's, for me... Honestly, probably the best thing I can tell you is I'm grateful for people that just keep me going and keep me encouraged. Um, there are a mm. lot of challenges. There are a lot of tough things. There's no, you know, it's not, it doesn't have the same type of fulfillment as, you know what, I got this plane where it needed to go, or, hey, I completed this mission. That was a win today. And you have those days where you go home and you're like, I don't really know what I did today, but you know what, that's okay. Um, and trusting that I've got people that can encourage me and trusting that ultimately God can encourage me and say, no, this is where I want you. This is where I want you to be. Again, you go back to playing that long game. Um, as a pilot, I got very used to playing, I'll say the short game where it was just about today's goal and get this plane done or get this mission done, get this plane moved. And it's, it's harder. It is harder to do that in management. But I'm, I think God is teaching me that. Um, ask me in a year and I'll tell you. <laughs> well, <I'm kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> but right. um, for me, it's really been about having a good support structure and then just trusting him that he knows. You mentioned his sovereignty. And we're really good about trusting his sovereignty in a very sterile setting. But do I really trust his sovereignty when it comes down to I set foot inside this office building and the first thing hits me in the morning? Well, right. wait a second. Is he really still sovereign over that? Yeah, of course he is. Right. You know? Yeah. And but oh, how quickly we forget that. I know. Yeah. It's uh, there was a saying we used to have that that MFI and it, it it was in jest and it was to kind of help get our minds back on what's important as you were talking about, but if there was something going on mechanically with an airplane and you know, it was like the saying was, well, you know, after we've tried everything else, why don't That's we try right. it? <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, right. you know, when we've run out of all options, right. all right, well, That's let's right. now pray. And it's like, it was a reminder of really pray first. That's right. That's right. And realize that, okay, God, you know, we're weather delayed or we're me mechanically delayed or whatever. Right, there's a reason why. That's right. There is a reason why. And, you know, my wife, to brag on her, is, is really big in the sovereignty of the Lord. And she's reminded me at times, it's like, you know what? you God may have delayed that flight so you avoided that car accident right. that was on the interstate on your drive right. home. Right. It's like, oh, yeah, maybe, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know. Or, you know, maybe you were delayed that day because you ended up having a conversation with somebody that, you know, could have talked to the Lord about mm -hmm. or, or whatever. You know, it's like there's always a reason why. And 
And maybe the question isn't to ask, well, why is this happening to me? Maybe the question to ask is, all right, how am I supposed to respond mm-hmm, to this? Mm-hmm. Or, or what am I supposed to learn from mm-hmm. this? Or what am I supposed to yes. do? Instead of asking the why. <laughs> yeah, we're. I think we're very um, me-focused. So we're very much about, mm. well, you know, I must have done something wrong or I need to go figure this out. And it's like, you know what? It's... We may never know, or it may have just right. been, we, we just don't know and that's okay. Right. Um, so no, it's, it's a, again, I think that's another part of the lifelong journey. Yes. Yeah. And kind of back to our question is kind of what has God, you know, taught us in aviation and, and I would, one of the answers I would have for that is it has just taught me more about his sovereignty mm-hmm. And about how, you know, as pilots, we love control. <laughs> I mean, that's what we're taught, right? I mean, we are control freaks. But, <laughs> but, and, and pilots, we like, we like things to be orderly. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's why we have checklists mm-hmm. and flows and procedures because we want order. And it's, the, and that's one thing that's kind of taught me about God is that He is a God of, of order. That's right. He is a God of process. He is a God that's very intentional, and He is not of not a God of chaos. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And when things get chaotic in our lives, that's not from Him. Mm-hmm. And because He is the source of peace. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 uh, that's just some things that I think aviation has taught me is like when things go off the rail, mm-hmm. and they frequently do. It's like search for God in that because in him we can find the peace and the order and the yeah. patience. And uh, it makes me think of like the fruit of the mm-hmm. spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there may be a different, a little different angle too in that, that um, I want to be careful for myself that I don't, um, that I don't combine order and logic necessarily because we know mm. that God is a God of order, but it doesn't mean that it always looks logical to me. Um, one of the things oh, yeah. I've had to learn, okay. uh, you, you ask a little bit about what I've, you know, my, some of the management journey I've been on. I'm a, I am a checklist guy. I'm a to-do list guy. I'm a, hey, I, I, I did something today. And mm. as I referenced before, when you realize that you can go into a day with a to-do list, but I can tell you most of the time that to-do list just either goes away or... Um, I often reference, you know, the Mike Tyson quote, everyone's got a plan until I punch him in the face. You know, it's just, <laughs> there's a whole side of strategy that involves being able to throw out the, throw out the book as it were and say, all right, what are we going to do today? And I think there's a sense of, I thoroughly agree with you. Um, God has, does call us to peace and trusting him, but he doesn't necessarily call us to say, I need a life that makes sense. And I need a life that's logical and, I think for me, I often call those the same thing. And I don't think they are. I think they're different yeah. um, because there's so many things yeah. in life that never will make sense. And that right. I'll say that has to be okay. I'm not saying I'm always okay with that, but if I'm going right. to trust him, it does. Right. Well, you know, you made me just think I've been doing a study on the um, life in the reign of King Hezekiah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, so King Hezekiah, 
you know, his father was King Ahaz, mm-hmm. who did evil in the sight of the Lord and had signed and actually had led Judah to become a vassal state of the Assyrian Empire. Mm-hmm. And so when Hezekiah became king, you know, the first some of the first things he did was to remove all the idols and from the temple and from the country and, you know, bring the country mm-hmm. back to 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 serving and worshiping the Lord only. And then as a result of that, he made the decision to stop sending the tribute to Assyria, which at that time in the life of Judah, they were they were very poor because so much of their economy was being spent on sending that tribute to Assyria. And when he decided to stop doing that, all of his advisors were just saying, this is, you know, like, to use the word you're using, it's illogical. That's right. It's going to lead to our destruction. Mm-hmm. They are going to attack us and they're going to destroy us because that's what they've done to everybody else. And he's like, no, God told me to stop sending the tribute. And throughout you know, most of his reign, he was just plagued by people criticizing him for that but yet god proved faithful and it didn't make any sense at all right (laughs) it was not logical to do that but you're absolutely right right. oftentimes following what god wants us to do doesn't is not logical in our Mm -hmm. minds Mm -hmm. it just makes me think you know that that um truly our ways god's ways are not our ways and our thoughts are not his thoughts yeah yeah Good stuff. Well, hey, as a uh, wow, look at that. We're already coming up on into an hour. <laughs> Time flies. <laughs> Just like that. It does. It does. So, hey, as we wrap it up, is there anything on your mind, anything you'd like to conclude with? You know, honestly, first, I'm, I'm grateful for you reaching out and the chance to do it. Um, I, You know, as, as people over the years ask, you know, is this a good career? Is this something I can get into? And you know, it's just, it's incredible. And the more I talk to people and, you know, including this interaction, it just, I'm so grateful for what, first for the little steps, some big steps, I guess, but the little steps that have brought me here, uh, because there's no way you would script it this way. Um, mm. Again, you just, you imagine that very first flight you take and you go, you know, I can't imagine looking back thousands of hours and years later going, wow. And, you know, to my point earlier, you, you want to build that experience in those stories and, but it just takes time and patience. And I think what a, it, that's probably the, the biggest thing that I, I love that I've been, I think God is forcing me to learn, we'll say, um, is it just be patient and trust him for the future because we just don't know. Hmm. Um, we often are marked that who would have thought that something like COVID would turn, obviously the world, but then of course our industry just absolutely on its head overnight. You would, who would have predicted right. that? Um, and we can either be, nervous about that scared about that or just say well that's god knew and what are we going to do and to your point we can pray about it and i'm grateful to someone who has been steering me to the book of nehemiah right now and they prayed and they went out and acted they posted a guard they went and rebuilt these walls and Mm. um i think we often get stuck on one side or the other to your point we either oh we've tried everything else let's pray (laughs) Or we, right. <laughs> well, I prayed. It's you know, it, it's in God's hands now. I'm I'm just gonna let it go. And it's like, well, right. yeah. I mean, we need to trust Him, but we also are called to have wisdom and to to work and put in our our uh, blood, sweat, and tears, as it were. And 
I just mm-hmm. can't imagine a better industry to do that. And then aviation, um, it's, it's right. fun. I mean, there's nothing like taking off an airplane and looking at the ground. And <laughs> I agree. You can't. How do you I describe agree. that to someone? So, yeah, yeah. Like I, yeah, I went through, I went through a time where, you know, I'd kind of lost the, the, the joy uh-huh. of flying, mm-hmm. but it has definitely returned yeah. for, for me. Just, it's like, you know, kind of a breath of fresh air. It's yeah. like, oh man, it was, it was just the coolest yeah. thing. I, <laughs> you know, the line I often use, and this is me, everybody's on a different place with this. For me, flying was never an end. It was a means to an end. And it was a means mm-hmm. to serve people. It was a means to meet people and obviously travel mm-hmm. and, um, you know, meet our customers' interests and work with other people. And so as once I, when I get that out of balance for me, that's when I start to lose the joy of it. Or when I could say, you know what, I, can you imagine using airplanes as a tool? Like, this is incredible. Um, when it's right. simply just about the airplane for me, that's when it's like, oh, I don't know. Right. You know, and right. And I think there's more of us like that as I've talked to people, but um, yeah, um, it's just, yeah, I was never one of those people that from four years old had to go fly. Um, and the older I get, the more I realize that, but the more I've grown to appreciate it as I put it in a healthy perspective. Right. Right. Yeah. Cause you could like for me to just, uh, sit back and think, all right, I've, you know, however many passengers are in the back <laughs> of right. the airplane, it's like, you know, every one of them has That's a story. Right. That's right. And, um, you know, whether, whether I'm, you know, we're taking them on vacation or not, you know, if it's on their vacation, it's like, how cool, right. you know, they can get away, right. they can get some rest, right. um, and they can recover and they can just spend time with their family. That's a huge That's right. blessing. Yeah. And, and, or, you know, you just never know the stories of the people in the back, but, you know, I try to, you know, at least give them a smile and say, thanks for flying with us and have a great day. Right. I mean, that may be my only interaction right. with them, but, but Hey, that, you know, you never know how God could use something like that. It's a little, but as isn't that. that crazy that your individual decision to get out of bed that morning and go to work and show up on time right. and to do that, you know, it, it can have that impact. Effects. <laughs> and yeah. that, that always, right. that just always amazes me. Yeah. Yeah. There's been times where I've gotten up in the morning. It's like, yeah, I'm not, <laughs> not feeling it today. But you know what? There's there's people waiting That's for right. me. And if I don't show up, either they're going to cancel the flight right. or they're going to right. have to be delayed or, you know, whatever. And it's like, yeah, there's, there's a sense of urgency right. and, and and duty right. and and to be responsible and reliable. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's a good yeah. thing. For sure. Well, Aaron, I've really enjoyed our time yeah, together. Likewise. Thank you so much for uh, for, for uh, joining us today. Um, I, I uh, look forward to getting feedback from this episode, and and I hope it's been a blessing for yeah. you. It sure has been for me. Yeah. So always fun to connect right. with people in a small world. It sure is. <laughs> it sure is. Well, send my regards to our mutual friends yes, there at, at Dynamic, and <laughs> and I got to reach out and try to get some of those other guys yes. on. That'd be, it'd be good, great. Good deal. Awesome. Um, all right, Aaron. Well, thank you again so no much. Problem. We'll talk to you later. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Plain Truth Podcast. If you enjoyed our show, please subscribe and follow us wherever you listen to your podcasts. 
Be sure to come back next week for more discussions and stories about God's Word and the amazing world of aviation. Until next time, set your course straight and stay on track. Thank you.